it's Ronnie Davis, and you're listening to Eating More, the place to be if you want to learn how to stop eating in ways that make you feel like crap, if you want to end the weight and food war, and start reimagining healthy eating and living. We'll show you how to change your mind, your food world, and your life with less doing and more being. Today, I'm talking to Anne Rube about her new book, The Burnout Antidote. This is for anyone who overgives and depletes themselves in the process of serving their families, clients, patients, or communities. So pretty much women everywhere. (laughs) In The Burnout Antidote, Anne helps you access your innate capacity to heal, and she shows you that your burnout can become a gateway to embodied wisdom and vitality. Discover how to communicate with your inner child and reclaim the lost and fragmented parts of yourself. Learn to overcome obstacles and gain access to limitless spiritual energy. Anne Barube is a spiritual teacher with an uncommon ability to share her story and insights in a way that awakens the inner wisdom in others. She helps people free themselves from the societal and parental conditioning that's holding them back from realizing the highest calling of their soul. Her work has also allowed her to share the stage with renowned self-help luminaries, including best-selling authors, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, and Elizabeth Gilbert, to name a few. So hello and welcome, Anne Brube. Hi, Ronnie. So good to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited that you are. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I can tell you I've been reading the book recently. And it is fantastic. It is a must read literally for women everywhere. And it is such an important read. So thank you for writing it, first of all. To start- Thank you for reading it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's really, really good. Uh, Every every paragraph, I feel like, oh, this is so good. Um, Anyway, so let's start with what is burnout? Let's just sort of, maybe you can explain for everybody what burnout even is and how can they recognize it when it happens to them? So, you know, what I've noticed is that burnout is is a spiritual problem and it needs a spiritual solution. Um, At the core root of it, it's a meaning, it's a crisis in meaning. And so where, you know, we've just been deep to find energy, to do the things that we have to do. We've been digging in and trying to access these little pockets of energy that are left, like we don't have access to that sustainable source of, of, of energy that we would have if we were really directly plugged into our core essence. And so for me, burnout is really intelligent. It's actually quite a gift that you receive in your life to let you know, okay, there's so much more that you can be. Um, There is another way to engage life. And if you continue this way, you'll you'll just feel sicker, you'll get more disenchanted, you'll feel more down, and you won't feel fulfilled. And I think that that's all, that's what we all wanna feel is at the end of our life, know that, oh, I left, I, I, I led the life that I wanted to lead, like the one that inspired me, the one that came from my soul. And so what I've noticed, and I wrote the book for myself because I was, you know, um, I I had a limiting belief around, around burnout. I thought that 
you know, when you are on your spiritual path, when you're two feet on the path and you finally found what you love and what you want to do for the rest of your life, that you don't burn out. And I, you know, I have this, this belief that we're like immune somehow that once you're on the spiritual path and it's not true. I burnt out when I was, um, you know, a spiritual coach. And so, um, you know, what I realized is that my, the propeller, like what was making me want to be of service was coming from a limiting belief that I need to be needed to know who I am. And pleasing was kind of a consequence of that or a symptom of that. And so when I wasn't needed, I didn't know who I who I was. And so that was a big existential question is if I'm if I'm of service because I I need to be needed, then that's not connection to the core essence. That's not because it's who I am, because my soul is enthusiastic and, 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 and desires to, to engage life this way. It's, it's because of a conditioned pattern from my childhood where I was needed pretty much, you know, from a very young age. Like I, 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 I knew who I was when people needed me. And when I was useful, so I asked myself the question, like, who was I before I was needed? And so that was kind of the, the propeller for the book. Like it was the, the inspiration for the book is, wow, there is so much we need to learn. And especially people who are highly sensitive, empaths, um, people of service around empathy and around boundaries and around fire and around anger, like mm. there's all these like rules that are not ours like we never we never agreed to these rules and they they just they don't support um you know um a healthy happy energetic life so that's to answer your question what's burnout (laughs) I love when you when you were talking in the book about the difference between you know because you talk about humans being wired for service and, and I love when you talk about the difference between why we serve and understanding why we're serving. And, and you know, you were just saying that, that, you, that you recognize that in yourself. And, and it's certainly for me, this was the case as well. It was the same thing. I need to be, I need to be um, you know, helping or doing for others or you know, whatever. And I see this in clients a lot too, this idea that we always need to be serving and doing for others to get love. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And when we don't know that that's why we're serving, um, it's we build resentment, we feel um, unfulfilled, Mm -hmm. um, we don't know what to do with our, you know, our resentment and our anger. And, um, and it doesn't really make sense. Like, we don't understand why, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't helping other people, you know, um, make me feel happy. Yeah, but it's coming from a place of, uh, it's coming from, instead of coming from that place of alignment, and as you talked about fulfillment, it's coming from that place of need and and almost like, you know, what can I get from this service that I'm engaging in, right? I need to yes. get this, it's like a, a selfish kind of, I need love, and so I'm going to do this because I need this person to fill me up in ways that I feel depleted already. 
And I love that you said selfish because we don't think it's selfish when mm-hmm. we serve like that. We think like taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves is selfish and yeah. it's backwards yeah. because serving like that is actually, you know, quite, quite selfish. Like you said, because you, you're actually not holding the other person in the highest potential that they can be because you're not holding yourself in the highest potential that you can be. Mm-hmm. So when, when you can love yourself deeply and, you know, I talk about, about it in the book like an unconditional kind of divine embodied love for yourself like that's something that we're not taught in schools it's you know not super available everywhere Um, but when you get to do that you you just naturally you'll love everybody um, in a much deeper way and your service will be powerful it'll be very very powerful um, as opposed to you know, little bits of energy here and there that I can give because I'm depleted, I'm fatigued, and I'm I'm drained. Yeah, it's more like giving for the sake of giving and serving instead of giving for the sake of getting something in return. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and and there's sorry. So this, you know, there's I what I've what I've discovered after doing a lot of the emotional work around this for myself is that there's a place inside our bodies where we have access to, um, to that, to that original reason why we were born, you know, Mm -hmm. to that, um, why, what, what, what is the fulfillment for me in this lifetime? Like I have it encoded in my body, like my soul just incarnates it in my body. And so if we can pay attention to that, then we can, we can take steps towards you know saying no to a lot of things and saying more yes to other things in in our life our life really changes Mm, yeah so much and I I love one of the quotes that I specifically highlighted uh, from your book you said your body has been your ally all along you just didn't know it and that (laughs) so deeply resonated with me because obviously you know I and and like many women who like me who struggle you know with weight and food and all of those things we spend our lives so much in that complete disconnect mode from the, from the neck down, we're completely and totally disconnected from our bodies. And so this idea that there might be actually information hiding down there that we can access is completely and totally foreign because we're just (laughs) trotting around like floating heads, right? Like there's, yes, it's like just, and, you know, rejecting our bodies so much that we can't, we can't listen, we can't hear, we can't tune in, we can't do any of those things. And we just keep staying stuck in that fight of resisting all of it and, um, you know, all of that. So I love that, that quote of yours, your body has been your ally all along. You just didn't know it. Yeah. Again, we weren't taught how to listen to the body. You know, it wasn't something that was described to us or even modeled to us by our parents or even like our coaches or teachers. Mm -hmm. Like we were, we were modeled, it's better to stay away from the emotions, which, which is the way that our body talks to us, you know, and it's better to stay away from those emotions and, and, and rationalize them up in your head and your intellect and make sense of them so that you can control and manage your environment so that you can control and manage your life so that you can stay safe. And so that you can control and manage your body. Yes, exactly. In return, it's like, yeah, where did it all start? Was it me controlling my body? Was it my mind controlling my body? Was it my body controlling me? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not not only are we are we not taught how to 
how to listen and how to do those things. But a lot of times we're actively taught to ignore. Yes. Right. Yes. We're taught to ignore, to resist, to control, to fight against and all of those things. So. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, when I say your body's an ally, like I, I mean it in this way that, you know, you're, it, it actually has like a lot to teach you. But I also mean it as it's the instrument for your soul. Mm. You know, like it is the instrument that your soul chose in this for this human adventure. And so it's it's literally the device that allows you, your soul to be in this life, to, yeah. to be incarnated in this lifetime. And so it has like all the things that like the, your body communicates like the past traumas and it communicates like the things you need, the things you want, but it also communicates like your higher self and your mm. gifts and who you really are and why you're here and what you really want. So it's, it's quite an incredible machine and it is the gateway to, you know, to get to transcend burnout. It really mm. truly is. You can't transcend burnout with the intellect. If yeah. you just stay in your logical mind, you cannot. So true. So can you talk about some of the hidden benefits of burnout? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it doesn't always seem to feel like there are any benefits. And I certainly fought it for a lot of years myself. But in recent years, I've come to this, this understanding that it's so much more than, than something to fight and resist and pretend that isn't happening to me. And it's, it's more communication and a message and a catalyst and so many things. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a gift. It really mm. is a gift. It's your it's your body's way to say like if if you keep going this way, you're gonna do some real damage. And I'm I'm telling you right now that you know not only can you avoid the damage, but there is so much joy, so much fulfillment, so much clarity, and so much inner freedom that's available to you if you just if you just listen to me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's your body's way to protect you from that damage too, um, and to show you your gifts, to show you um, who you really are and why you came here. And so sometimes I see, you know burnout as a almost like a rite of passage mm -hmm. it's I think if you are someone who has big dreams and you have big intentions and big emotions like if you're channeling all that fire in the wrong place you'll hit the wall you really will and so burnout is brilliant in that way because it's saying hey <laughs> you know take a step back take a few deep breaths, take care of yourself, listen to your heart, because there's actually another way where you can actually, if you, if you bring your focus and attention and your love towards who you really are, what you can manifest and create in this lifetime is like, you can't even imagine it right now. So that's, that's the gift that burnout is it's it's incredibly intelligent that's not happening to you to tell you that you're not enough to tell you that you are not good with time management to tell you that you are not smart enough it's happening for you yeah yeah <laughs> so true so true it's a big difference yeah Another quote that you, that I, that I highlighted from the book, you said on the outside, I appeared happy, independent and driven, but inside I always felt like I was one step behind where I thought I should be never feeling like I was doing enough 
depleting my energy and looking outside of myself for ways to feel better. Looking back, I can say I was living as the image I had of myself, not as my actual self. Yeah. I think a lot of us can relate to that. So much. <laughs> it's so like, much. you know, you know what you want to project and you know what you want the world to see you as and you have this idea of who you should be and so that's all making your decisions for you as opposed to hey <laughs> right here right now in this moment I am full I'm full I'm myself I'm all of it I'm whole and um and and then and then, you know, with that comes the vulnerability and, and the, the shame and, and all those emotions that we just kind of don't want to, to tap into. So if living your real self as opposed to the image of yourself is a priority, um, <laughs> your life will drastically change. Yeah. It really will, because then it becomes it becomes really sensual. And I mean that in the sensational way, like in the senses, like you're, you're here now. So you feel it all, but your life is real <laughs> and your life is authentic and, and, and it's messy. And it's like, sometimes it's confusing because you change your mind so often, but changing our minds is part of being who we really are, as opposed to if you decide on who you're going to be, you know, then you can't change your mind. Mm. And if you change your mind, you are very disappointed in yourself. And so you hate yourself even more. So giving ourselves permission to change our minds is living as our real self yeah. <laughs> because we're, we're creative beings. We change all the time. So if we don't change our minds, we're actually getting in our own way. Mm. Yeah, so much truth. And, and, you know, I, I was certainly somebody who spent most of her life, uh, at least, you know, my adult life, playing a role, completely and totally playing a role of who I thought I was supposed to be, yes. while hiding or trying to hide that real me underneath, right? Because yeah. there was that, you know, I was completely convinced that, that the real me was dark and terrible and horrible and all of these, you know, all of these things. And it was just those stories that I was telling myself about, you know, what I thought was the real me. And so there was always like this mask, right? Just the role that I played. And I think that's so real for so many people. We just, and, you know, because we're not in touch with ourselves, we don't know, we don't even recognize we're, we're playing a mask, we're playing a role in wearing that mask, but of course, we're going to burn out. Yes. And <laughs> to make it even more tiring, we use different masks for different environments. Yeah. Or we use different roles for different people. Yeah. So then in a run of a day, we might be one person to our, at work and then one person uh, with our friends and then one mm. person with our kids and one person with our husband. Like it's yeah. exhausting. It is it's exhausting. fragmented. It's, it's <laughs> exhausting. It's fragmented. And honestly, I credit, uh, I credit living that way for so long to being a big part of what contributed to my depression on top mm. of just on top mm -hmm. of burnout, but depression, because it, it depresses you. Like it, it holds you down and, and, and keeps you locked in those, 
locked in those roles. Well, in those roles, you're not allowed to feel the, the truth. Yeah. And that's what depression is, is I can't feel. Yeah, absolutely. I won't feel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so speaking of feeling, <laughs> the other thing I, I really loved was you talked about um, empathy, the dark side of empathy. Yeah. And as somebody who has always been a bit of an empath, I can certainly relate to this one as well. So can you talk a little bit about that and how does empathy hinder us on our pursuit to lead meaningful lives? Mm-hmm. I think that it's heralded as like a hero right now, like empathy is what we need. It's what we need. It's what we need. But there's a way to use empathy that is healthy. And then there's one that's not. And so psychologists makes the difference between psychology, psychological empathy and emotional empathy. So mm-hmm. I would say embodied empathy and disembodied empathy. Mm-hmm. And so disembodied empathy is okay. Let's say I am in a one-on-one session with you, or you're my mother or my friend, and I'm having a conversation with you where you have a problem and I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. And so emotional empathy is, first of all, there's contagion of emotion right away. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking on your emotions. Like I, I'm, I'm, my boundaries are porous and I just allow this, this to be mine as well. Mm-hmm. right like whatever you're going through is also mine and then my my perspective narrows because I'm only focused on your problem and I'm actually not considering the greater good and I'm not considering your potential mm-hmm. where where both of us are in the problem and often when you work at that level well you first of all it's not sustainable because it will drain the all all your energy um, because you're not tapped into yourself. You're, you're really, you're up and you're out of yourself. You're in the other person's problem. Embodied empathy is I'm in front of you and I understand what's happening to you. I understand what you're feeling and I understand your emotion, but I'm not taking them on. I understand them psychologically, right? And I am grounded in my own core essence. So my attention is not even on your words. My attention is not even like on your emotions. My attention is on my grounded life force Mm -hmm. in my body. And then when I do that, I'm telling my whole body and I'm telling my soul that I'm in reverence of myself, right? So if I'm in reverence of myself, I can be in reverence of you. Mm -hmm. So from that deep grounded place, I stand in reverence of what you can be. I stand in reverence of the potential that you hold as opposed to trying to bring you back to a normal base with emotions. And so that's completely different. When you're in the presence of someone who's listening to you and they have embodied empathy, Mm -hmm. you feel like there's not just hope, but there's joy and there's fulfillment that's available to you because the person is not meeting you where you're at. Mm-hmm. The person is meeting you at your soul level. And at that, in that moment, there's, there's, there's a real contagion of light yeah. as opposed to emotion. Yeah. So it's very, very different. And I think that because we were told that service is more like martyrdom mm-hmm. um, and helping others, you just give everything you've got. 
Um, we think of empathy at empathy as like this herald value, but it can be extremely toxic. A lot of people just stop doing what they do because they can't take it anymore because they don't know how to shift this perspective mm. around, around empathy and around service. Yeah, I love that, that, uh, that, that whole section, because again, certainly for me, that was definitely the case for so much of my own life. And I didn't even really realize it until a few years ago, right? That I was taking on everybody else's emotions. I mean, you know that you're doing it, but you don't know that you're doing it, you know, or you don't know that there's another way. And yeah. just being around people was exhausting because it was like I was soaking in everything that every, everybody around me was feeling. And, you know, first I had to figure out how to manage my own emotions. But then on top of that, there was this place where I was like, okay, how do I manage everyone else's too? But it's not about that. It's about not letting them, not letting them in, in those ways. And so I loved that. Exactly. Um, I loved the way that you separated that because I think that's so, so important. And a little bit further in the book, I talk about like the predator energy, mm. which if you are an empath who has disembodied empathy, you are familiar with the predator energy yep. <laughs> who comes in like a vampire and just drains you until there's nothing left and then you have to pick up your pieces and then just try to rebuild yourself like and so one of the kind of the radical message of the book is the the only way that you can protect yourself from predator energy is mm. to remove yourself yeah from that person and even if it's apparent Mm. and and so if someone's of service they'll say well that's the most selfish thing I could do like that's mm. not me I am a person who gives I'm a person who loves right well what we what we fail to understand sometimes is that our capacity to love is actually greatly reduced because we um, have the poorest boundaries and allow our energy to be drained so if mm. you do take yourself out of that relationship, even for like a couple weeks, couple months, your body, your parasympathetic, your, your nervous system gets a chance to rewire and to say, Hey, we're safe because mm -hmm. when there's predator energy in your daily life, whether it's like someone texting you every day mm -hmm. or it's someone in your house, like it doesn't matter. You get a little hit of fight or flight. Yeah. And so your body is never fully relaxed. And when your body's not relaxed, you cannot find your power, um, get through burnout. Yeah. You, you, your body needs to be relaxed to be in creative mode, to be in expansion mode, and to have access to that soul realization that we all, we all look for. So true. And I, I mean, I live most of my life with my body literally in protection mode 24 seven. And again, without even realizing it. And yeah, you're so limited when you're living in that space. And I mean, it's Very taken limited. me a lot of years of practice and learning and unlearning and those things. But yeah, it's, it's just, you know, that protected state is so limiting. Mm -hmm. So speaking of energy vampires and predators, <laughs> <laughs> What about uh, working uh, if you're somebody who has to care for narcissists? 
Well, you don't have to care for a narcissist. Mm, That's so important. You don't have to. I love that. Yes. Why? Who says you have to? It's mostly you. Yes. That that think you have to. There's someone else more suited than you to take care of this person. And and if this if this person really does need care, Mm -hmm. then there's someone else better suited. If if you being there to care for them uh, burns you out, there's nothing intelligent about that. There's nothing about the way the universe works, the way that reality like rule rules work, like the laws of nature, like nowhere is does that make sense that you burning out is what's needed and what's intelligent and so that's never going to bring anything for either of you Mm. the predator energy the narcissist um will never be filled up anyway yes because they it's like a hungry ghost yeah they will just keep eating your light but then they need to come back for more because it's an empty, yeah. unfillable hole, void that they're trying to fill. Mm-hmm. And so you going back for more abuse. So you go, and I don't want to blame the victim here, but mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that when you put yourself in that situation, you are giving them permission yeah. to take your light. And so if love you do not understand it any other way than a narcissist taking your light and that feels like love to you, then that's what you need to look at is that Mm -hmm. there's another way to be loved and it does not include you being hurt. (laughs) It does not include you being hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. That's a big life lesson. Um, But it will, and the first step is just to remove yourself. Why is that the first step? Because then your body can relax. Then you can do the emotional work. Then you can do the self-inquiry work to say, huh, where does this come from? How did I learn love? Mm. Where does this habit come from? Like, and, you know, do I even know what love looks like? And that's work you can do once your body feels safe. Mm. So good. So recovery, taking yourself out out of the situation when it comes to predator energy. Um, What are some other things? Uh, You talk a lot about retreats in the book. And Mm -hmm. I like in particular, you you talked about retreating into ourselves. Yeah. And yes. Oh, yes. So much. Yes. We also talk about going away for retreats as well. And, yes. but what would you well, say? I wanted to make sure that people knew that they didn't have to spend thousands of dollars to do this work. That was really yeah. important to me that it was accessible, that, you know, a three minute breathing practice when you yes. wake up in the morning can, can get you started. Mm-hmm. It really can. It, it's a retreat. Yeah. Um, especially if you're not used to meditation and you're not used to taking time for yourself, doing like this very simple breathing practice, mm. you'll start to feel a shift of, oh, okay, um, I get to decide, yeah. you know, how I feel. Mm. I get to decide 
And, you know, I don't have to react to my day. I can be the one that, that invites and allows these experiences as opposed to, you know, having them happen to me. Yeah, it's just very, that very different. Just that, that process of just stopping and breathing and, and you know, looking in and, and, and connecting with what's going on inside is so, so powerful. It's such an yes. underutilized skill in our culture. <laughs> it is. And it's, you know, I say this at the very beginning of each happy sessions is if you, if all you do this weekend is, is breathe deeply mm-hmm. and your attention's in your body, it's not in your head and it's not in my words and it's not in what you should do. It's actually just on your breath, yeah. maybe in your heart or maybe in your belly, wherever you feel it. And that's all you do, your life will be different on Sunday, like you will be a different person. It's, it's, that's how powerful it is. But we're so busy, we just don't do that. But it will, it will just, it will change you. Yeah, it will free you. (laughs) It will free you. Absolutely. It will change you. It will help your body relax. Mm -hmm. It will help release that protection, that protection state that that you live in goodness knows that I lived in for so long. Yeah. And for me, it took a lot of practice um, because just the thought of stopping and breathing. Yes. And just being quiet was scary. Scary. Yeah. (laughs) Scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's overwhelming because maybe it's like, you know, 25, 30, 40 years, 50 years of emotional baggage that we never looked at. And then if we stop and breathe deeply, it can feel a little bit like a tsunami. Mm. So, you know, I would say to your listeners, like if this is something you want to do, but you feel like it's a little scary, definitely ask for someone who knows how to hold space in an embodied way, like in a non-judgmental way, Mm -hmm. um, so that you can have a witness there to help you with your emotions if if they do come up. The witnessing part is so, so big. Like we, everybody goes through trauma and we can't stop our children from hurting. We can't prevent them from hurting themselves, from having, going through trauma. But the big difference between someone who, you know, has to do all this work like we had to do Mm -hmm. and someone who, you know, it's not as big and dramatic is that is the witnessing of the trauma. So when something happens to us and we look around and we're looking for safe eyes or we're looking for that presence that says, it's okay, tell me how you feel, you know, if we can just in that moment, our emotions can move and they can be seen and then validated and then we move on as a kid. That's not really what happened to us. Like it was (laughs) not that. Um, And so a lot of the times, you know, those get wired in the body and then we have to be witnessed when we're older. And so that's what a friend or a therapist or like someone who a coach, Mm -hmm. you know, a counselor can do for you. You can even say what you need. You can say, I just need you to listen without interrupting actually, because I've never said this story out loud. It will change. It will change everything. Mm -hmm. And so when our kids go through trauma, all we have to do is breathe deeply and listen to them and be present in our bodies like that reverence and for ourselves while they're going through their traumas and and we are saving them so much therapy 
<laughs> by just <laughs> being there, watch, listening to them, witnessing them, and and in a way that our whole body demeanor says all your emotions are permitted here. Yeah. All of it, yeah. including the shame and the guilt and the secrets, like all of yeah. it. So, so then the kid goes out in the world and knows it's capable of moving through quite a bit because it's been witnessed. Oh, yeah, so much truth. And so speaking of, you know, witnessing the emotions of, of our children, what about with our inner children, our inner child? Yeah, there's a big, the, the center of the book is this like turning point in the process where you meet the inner child and, yeah. you know, when a trauma happens and she's not witnessed, um, she just kind of protects herself and yeah. then she builds these layers and these walls around her so that she can keep safe mm. your power, your innocence, your purity. And so meeting her, kind of turning your gaze towards her and listening to her and feeling her in a way that she knows that you're not going away anymore, that you're not, you are here to stay and that you're going to be the mother to her that she's always wanted to have. Yeah. Or you're going to be the father to her that she always wished she had. Mm -hmm. And you talk to her like you would talk to a, an infant or a toddler, like, hi, sweetheart, I love you so much. I'm so sorry you're hurting. And so this relationship with the inner child becomes the most important relationship in your life. And when she feels safe, when she starts to let go of those layers, she reveals this incredible power and this incredible purity and innocence which is the core essence mm. and and it holds your gifts and it holds who you're meant to be it, it has everything mm. to to for fulfillment yeah so good so what what's your number one piece of wisdom or advice or your your single best strategy or what one thing would you say for anybody experiencing burnout? Well, the first step is to stop. Mm. It's you cannot, that's it. Like you can't logically figure yourself your way through burnout. Yeah. Um, you just can't. And so you could change a couple things here and there, but it's not sustainable. It'll just come back because it's not about what it's about. It's never what it's about. You think it's about yeah. this and it's not. It's about something much deeper. And yeah. the only way you can access it is to stop. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening to this and you've tried a bunch of things and it's not working and you've contemplated maybe taking a day off or a morning off, or you've been, you know, you, you really need three months, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and, but, and then you're like, that's so silly but you know your body wants it you know that you know the next diagnosis is, is more than burnout you know you just know it yeah. and so so what will it take like it's a matter of life or death really truly is like and so 
so listen to that mm. and believe yourself like when you have that desire in your heart like this longing for quiet days where nothing happens and you just stare at the wall and breathe and feel <laughs> feel your whole body um listen to that and believe it nobody else is going to come and say I really think you should do that or mm -hmm. I really feel strongly that that's what you need nobody nobody's going to be an advocate for yourself as much as you can be and so you have to be the one that kind of goes against the grain and says I have to do this mm. I have to do this not just for my health and my happiness but I'm doing it also for my children and the people mm. I serve because I know that on the other side of that time I will I will be more grounded resourceful mm. loving patient and and powerful and so wherever you go whether it's like a, a morning off or two days or three months just bring the book and do the process <laughs> yeah I always I always say it's like um an engine light in the car right we can we yes. can deal with it when it first comes on or we can ignore it for months and wait till the engine blows up but but at some point <laughs> we're gonna have to deal with it right <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's, exactly. it's so funny that you said that you talked about staring at the wall because that's kind of a running joke within my group with my clients. I remember one night on a call, one of my clients was saying, you know, so like, what do you do when you don't feel like doing anything when you're just so tired and you just don't feel like doing anything. And, you know, you're, you're kind of in that place where you're, you know, you're annoyed with yourself because nothing is like, you know, you, you try to read a book and it's not working and you try to have a bath and it's not the thing. And it's, you know, you watch TV, it's not the thing. So what do you do? And I said, well, uh, have you tried just laying down and doing nothing? Like if, if nothing is the thing that like nothing yes. is, set, is settling for you. And so, and so I, I talked about how, you know, sometimes I do that. I'll just, I'll just lay down and I will stare at the wall. Yeah. And it's really everybody in the group just sort of burst out laughing because it sounds absolutely ridiculous when you say it out loud but it's so effective and so, but, effective. so that came that became the running joke what do you do well i'm just gonna stare at the wall for a while <laughs> i know it's it the body responds to that so much and often it, when you do that after a couple minutes your body goes oh oh she's really doing nothing let me show her let me show her how tired I am let me show her this emotion that's been lingering let me show you know and so yeah it's incredible yeah the two the two Simple. best things that I've noticed come from staring at the wall time yeah is, is either one yeah some stuff comes up that needed to come up or two I feel more energy energized and I'm more creative and I can get more done and it's it's the most productive time of my day <laughs> yes exactly exactly yeah i agree yeah stop i love that just stop stop <laughs> it's simple it's easy it's free it's free <laughs> it's not popular but it's free <laughs> yes stop and read stop and Anne's book it is so, so <laughs> yeah. good it is so good and it's so important so um yeah. Anything else that you want to leave, leave our listeners with today? I've taken enough of your time already. So I'm just really happy that I got to be in conversations with you in conversation with you. And I just, you know, I, I, 
I just hope everybody believes themselves. I think that's mm. the, you know, we say believe her, you know, <laughs> like it's like, believe you, um, mm. you know, you know so much about what you need, but you're not used to trusting yourself. Um, and so I would, I would um, encourage everyone to double down on the trusting of yourself. Oh, I love that. <laughs> what a perfect <laughs> note to finish with. So thank you very much for joining me. To find out more about Anne and her new book, The Burnout Antidote, you can visit www.annerube.com. I'm going to leave all kinds of links in descriptions and everything as well to Anne and to her book and to her socials and everything. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. And we will see you again soon. You've been listening to Being More with Ronnie Davis. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about embodied cognitive eating training and access free resources, visit www.ecet.online.